I'm not that girl. I'm not that girl. And then I'm going to opt up just to make you mad. I'm not that girl. That's what I'm going to do. Um... Hello and welcome to In The Frame. Now, if you are a regular listener of this podcast, you might remember that two weeks ago we wrapped up a series and I told you that we'd be taking a break. The plan was to have some time off over the summer, come back kind of mid-August, start of September. And then fast forward two weeks and I've accidentally started recording new episodes for a brand new series and we couldn't wait. So we are kind of slowly going back into a new series. We have four episodes in the can and we'll see how we go. We'll see what happens. Today we are kicking off season seven with an absolute icon, potentially one of my favourite, not only voices and talents, but people in the world of theatre. I am so excited to be sharing a conversation with the incredible Jessica Vosk. Now, if you know who Jessica Vosk is, you probably know about her incredibly unique journey into the theatre. She started out with a normal office job, climbed up the ranks, had a really cool career, and then she decided to trade all of that in and come into the world of theatre. And oh my goodness, thank goodness, because I cannot imagine a stagey world without Jessica Vosk. Jessica made her Broadway debut in The Bridges of Madison County, the original cast of Jason Robert Brown's musical. She went on to appear in Finding Neverland and Fiddler on the Roof, both on Broadway. And then in 2016, she took on the role of Elphaber in the national tour of Wicked before transferring straight into the Broadway production where she played Elphaber for the musical's 15th anniversary. She is an absolute wicked legend. She has the most incredible voice. I saw her play Alpha on Broadway and it was one of the funniest, most interesting, different, moving performances of Alpha that I have ever seen. Jessica is big on social media. She's hilarious. She knows what she stands for. She's out here doing incredible work for different communities. And well, no spoilers because we talk all about that in this episode. Some other things you should know is that she's been attached to the musical Becoming Nancy for a few years. She was the narrator in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat in 2020 for the 50th anniversary concert in New York at Lincoln Center. But she's about to reprise her performance as the narrator when the show runs at the Muni Theatre later this year over the summer. She's also about to jump into the off-Broadway musical The Bedwetter for the final week of its run in New York. As if all of that wasn't enough, Jessica Vosk is finally coming to London to do a solo show at Cadogan Hall on Sunday the 17th of July. The wait is almost over. The concert was supposed to happen earlier in the year but due to illness it was postponed and I know a lot of you have been waiting very patiently. As you will be able to tell 
I had an absolute ball recording this episode. Sadly, because it's a podcast, you can't see all of the facial expressions that accompany this conversation. What you can hear is me constantly cackling at everything that was going on. Please be warned, this episode does feature a little bit of strong language and a lot of riffing. Here's the interview. Jessica Vosk, you are in the frame. I feel like I feel like very Madonna Vogue. I feel <laughs> the vogue of it all, honey. I'm here. I'm ready. Let's dive in. Let's frame it up. That is what I'm here for. That's exactly what I'm here for. Um, we have lots to talk about. But first of all, I just wanted to check that you're okay because your schedule right now, I cannot imagine. I can't either. What have I done? What have I what have I allowed myself to do? What You're have I gotten into? I you know, I am crazy and I've always been crazy and I guess that's that's part of my um that's part of of my wild and sassy charm. But but I am doing so much right now and it's really cool and I am not on the complain train, but <laughs> it is a lot. It is a lot. Um and I'm kind of thrilled about it, but also I don't really know who I am right now. Does this make sense? No, I hear that. I hear that. Are you someone who secretly thrives under that sort of pressure? You know what, Andrew? I do. <laughs> I feel I, I feel as though I always tell people this when they ask me, you know, I had this weird life in a totally different other career and it was, you know, a, a, what we would like to call a real world job or, you know, a muggle job. And people would say, what was the craziest thing? And I said, it was just so stressful. And now look at, look at my life now. It's just a stress. I think that I can handle and prefer. It's sort of like, I can't handle stress in my actual relationships in life. Like in, you know, if I'm dating you or if you're my best friend, like we, we are keeping it low key Mm. and happy and very balanced. And then Mm. in my work life is where I can kind of be like, Oh no, I have to be up at nine in the morning. That's so crazy. And I'm going until 7 PM. What have I done? Somebody please, you know what I mean? It's sort of like, (laughs) Oh God. Yeah, so yes, I guess I do thrive. But I have someone, so it, this is not going to be a conversation about the pandemic that is off, sure, that the, is pandi- off the, the agenda. Pandi- we're not talking about it. okay. But one slide D, in 2020, I was that person who was like, oh, I love being at home. Do you know what? I'm going to make my life far more simple now. Then we had one week in December where we had restrictions lifted in the UK and I was out every night. I was burnt right. out. I was exhausted. I learned nothing. You know, and I'm glad, you know what? The first step is recognizing it. (laughs) And so now you know that you've learned nothing. And, and I sort of understand that too, because I was the person who really did. I'm like, look at what we, we have learned that we can slow down. We can stop. We can, we can really breathe. We can take a moment. And now I'm like, I I can't have no time to talk to you. I'm trying to get on the subway. Please someone move. I cannot possibly even take one more second. What are you doing? Why are you coughing? I mean, it's just like, it has become, we have gone back. We're back. We're back. Mm. I'm going to need WhatsApp to create an out of office function. So oh, that's they, a great idea. That's so a great hey, WhatsApp. Yeah. Where are you at? I need uh, a, re- a response going out to people saying, Andrew will cool. reply in five to seven days. Fabulous idea. That is a <laughs> fabulous idea. And mine will say like, Jessica may never reply. <laughs> 
<laughs> Jessica is out of office forever. For life, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I want to know all about your London show coming up. But let's explain to the people, this is take two, right? Honey, it's Can we take talk two. about take one? We must. Can we talk about what happened? Ex- we must. Explain the sitch. So here's the sitch. I am headed to London in February, as we spell it, and I'm there, and I'm get, I'm on the plane. I am ready to go. I've got my earplugs in. I have, you know, put my Spotify playlist on. We've got the podcast, you yeah. know, playlist going. We've got it pumping, and I fall asleep. Right, that's what we do on an overnight flight to London, and because we arrive very early in the morning at the ass crack, and so I, I, I'm on the flight. We're going over, and I'm like. Oh, allergies must be weird. And um, by the time we landed, I had no voice. And I was, first of all, so confused. And I got off the flight and I was like, this is bizarre. First, first, so first of all, second of all, and seventh of all, I have not lost my voice since my alphabet days, okay? Which, like, when I get laryngitis, it's usually stress-induced in some kind of capacity, like emotionally yeah. stress-induced. I'm like, yeah, yeah, and some shit was going on at the time. So I thought maybe maybe that's where it came from. Okay, Andrew, it only got worse. I'm there. I'm chilling. I, I carve out two weeks for this London trip, by the way. So excited. I'm ready to play Cadogan Hall. I'm ready to get, I'm like, I'm ready to go. You can even pronounce it. Thank you. Shoshana Bean could never. Well, <laughs> I won't have to have a talk with her. Um... Shoshana. Um, so I'm ready to go. I've got my playlist. I've got my peeps. I'm flying them over. And my voice just goes bye-bye. I brought all my CDs, by the way. So naturally, it was like I, I carved out almost a week before the show. So I'm there, and I'm like, I don't know, you guys. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do it. Um, and uh, and I couldn't do it. And so they were so great about it. Um Darren at Fourth Wall was incredible. Cadogan Hall absolutely rescheduled. So now I get to come back in a couple of weeks um, and the show is going to be different and I think kind of cooler and sassier. Ah. Um, I know. And so I've changed the playlist around a bit um, and I have uh, a guest who I haven't announced yet (sighs) who is someone I've always wanted to perform with. Um, and, uh, they are going to be joining me. Um, Lizzie B is also coming back to join me. We're going to sing from becoming Nancy, which was how we met, um, because she's in the midst of like sister act madness right now, but she's still coming to join me. Um, but they were so great. And what I wound up doing is I always feel so terrible because a number of people traveled from other countries or very far. And so I thought I would do a meet and greet on the tail end of my London trip when my voice was, I want to say like 75% back, still couldn't hashtag mix. But I, I, I did a meet and greet and so many people showed up and, um, it was at the theater cafe and it was so great. And like, shout out to the theater cafe for me being like, hi guys, I'm showing up at the theater cafe. And like so many people just showed up. So Thank you to the theater cafe for being game um, for that. And and now I get to come back and and really do this thing and have, you know, an entire uh, night filled with, you know, my band right down to the backup singers and my um, piano player, musical director. Everyone is London based. Um, 
And I feel like maybe this is how it was supposed to happen. You know, the Mm. universe is weird. She's a tricky bee. But like, I feel like maybe this is how it was supposed to happen. And I'm so excited because the show itself is, you know, I, I had a chance to do a concert debut at Carnegie Hall last year and learn a lot about, you know, what it is that I want to say. And as you do. As you, as one does. Hey, didn't mean to drop that. Let me pick it up off oh, hey, the and floor. And wasn't it sold out? It sure was. <laughs> That's so crazy that you said that. It was. <laughs> it was it was a sold out night. It was so cool. Um I have I've never experienced anything like that before and I love live performance and I love doing concerts because I feel like the audience is just as important if not more important than the material itself. I feel like the audience is always the the missing piece and the cast member that needs to exist for us singers and actors to to really thrive on stage. And, and that's what this is. I'm so excited to be back in London. First of all, I just love London so much. And, and the, the community and the love that people show and, and how they show up for the arts is a beautiful thing. Um, Had you you been here before? Had you been here before last time? Yes. Interestingly enough, I, the last time I was in London, before February, I was doing a show with ABBA at Royal Albert Hall called Christina. And um, and that experience changed my life too because it was one of the first shows that I had done out of my finance job where I thought, you know, maybe I can make this career happen in real life. And, uh, and they kind of threw this thing at me and I got to work with Benny and Bjorn and, and on this ABBA piece, which was incredible. And at the Royal Albert Hall, which you know, is another whole experience of just like jaw dropping, mic dropping, incredibleness. And so our after party was in Elton John's piano room. So it was like (laughs) Benny at the piano. It's like sickening. It's like sickening how crazy this is. And there's like this little video clip. I'll have to share it with you of me singing the winner takes it all with Benny (gasps) because it was just like in the middle of the room and I was like, Jessica, shoot your shot. He's like playing it. And I was like, I don't want to talk. It's like young Jessica. I'm like, the winner takes it all. It was, it was so crazy. Uh, I will never forget it. And so London holds a special place for me anyway because of, uh, you know, you remember emo- things that happened to you, Mm-mm-mm. you know, career-wise. And that was a really big flagpole moment for like, oh, my God, I think I can do this. And ABBA is one of my favorite bands of all time so the fact that I got to to sing their music was doubly amazing mind-blowing a as if it was ABBA that brought you to London for the first time and b in 20 years when the age is right you need to play Donna in Mamma Mia oh honey I want nothing more I said at the last time I was there I mean in February when I was there for two weeks I thought I gotta get myself in a show here. I got to do a show here. I got to see a bunch of, uh, of shows while I was there. And then it just, you know, you like get, you get a little bite in the ass of like, come on, come on. Now I, I want to be on stage and do something on the West end. But didn't you only get to see half of one show? I did. I only got to see. (laughs) 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 First of all, how wild is that though? That like, I'm ready to go. We sit down for Anne Juliet. It was this, you know, uh, now as, as somebody who loves all of that music and like, who's a massive, like pop 
junkie. Um, I'm sitting down and I'm like watching the first act and like something felt a little bit weird. And I was like, the energy is strange. I wonder. And then the intermission or the interval happened and I see a couple people walking around and, and what you do in London, which is so badass, is there's ice cream at an at interval where for us, why aren't we, what happened to the United States? That's a whole other conversation. But oh, like, yeah. oh, um, <laughs> but like at interval, it's a, how amazing everybody's like, I'm going to grab my ice cream. I'm just going to sit down and have it. And so there was something weird happening where all of these ushers were chatting to each other. And I was like, hmm. Like, is Victoria Beckham here or something? I'm confused. I don't understand. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes out on stage. I'm sure it was the PSM or, or somebody in stage management. And they said, listen, we are flooded. And um, and that's not good. And so we are going to have to stop the show because we are definitely flooded. And I was like, oh, my God these poor actors who are probably trying to figure out what the hell to do backstage and also have to perform at the same time. So I, I was there for act one of Angelia I missed the, the entire second half. That's so sad. We need to get you a voucher for act two. I know. I know. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever had to like, had a, had a show canceled halfway through whilst you're I doing mean, the show? I mean, no. No. But when I was doing Fiddler on the Roof on Broadway, there was, it was the dead of summer and we were at the Broadway theater, which is one of the biggest theaters in Manhattan. And the air conditioning just stopped working during the show. And it was, I'm not kidding you, like at at least 93 degrees. um, And we wore wool because we were in Fiddler on the Roof in Europe in the winter. So that was what we wore was wool. And I, I like, I'll never forget this because I'm such an idiot. Um, and a monster is that I took ice packs and just like put them down my pants. I was like, I don't, there's a, there's a photo of me on my dressing room floor with like ice packs under my armpits. And I mean, I'm sure that we kept the show going because what one must, but Oh my God, the AC was off. I think for the rest of that entire day and it was a two-show day oh oh god yeah it, it, heinous heinous but i always forget how cold theaters and broadway normally are like whenever i go to new york oh, yeah. my first show I, I walk in with not enough layers i sit there freezing i never learn. oh sure you know i mean then it's like you know of course we got to keep everybody alive we got to keep them awake and yes. alive but then it's a little too cold then it's a little <laughs> too cold because of course in the summertime when it's super hot out it's ridiculously cold in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, otherwise I think I, um, I, I just, I love London so much. I really do. And that's, I'm not even blowing smoke of everybody's patootie. I just, I love it. And I love the amount of art that exists in London and the amount of, of, you know, where, where the things people are willing to do and the shows people are willing to put on and, and, um, and produce and think about. It's just really lovely. Mm-hmm. It really is. London loves you. So many people over here. It must be kind of crazy for you to feel what an audience you have and how many people 
want to see you perform, but also, you know, those YouTube videos, those bootlegs, <laughs> the people have seen them. They know. You know, listen, it's, it is never lost on me what an honor it is to be able to have, um, have people from all over the world who even know who I am or have become a fan or have listened to the things that I've done or, you know, heard a, a little Defying Gravity riff and watched like some No Good Deed on the on the YouTubes. <laughs> but like, I, it, it's never lost on me. I'm so honored by the entire thing because, you know, I, I have, I've had a weird life and I, and I know that I work so hard to just try and maintain, um, who I am in this wild and wacky business and, and to do it with as much honesty and transparency as I can when it comes to how difficult it can be and, um, and just how, how hard it is to be, um, to be somebody who made their Broadway debut at age 30, which is like, you know, 172 in dog years. And, and like you do these things and you work really, really hard and you just hope that, you know, someday you'll be able to maybe change one person's life or make mm -hmm. them feel like, like they can do this or that they have, you know, they should have some, some hope that if, if I can do it, you can do it. And so to have it happen on such a big, um, uh, and such a large level is something that, I, I never take for granted because it could go away at any moment. I'm very aware of that. It could go away at any moment. So I'm very lucky. And, and I, I remember going to the meet and greet that I put together in February to, you know, say hi to everybody that came to see my original concert. And I remember saying to my boyfriend, like, cause he came to visit, <clears throat> I said, you know, I think like only five people are going to show up like, and then we can just go back to the flat and, but I think it's only going to be like five people. And, and, um, he rolled his eyes, but like, I drew, I really think that kind of stuff. I'm always like, Jessica, don't get just like, don't get too excited. So it is a very cool thing. It's a mm. very cool thing. Mm -mm -mm. One thing that I really wanted to talk about and ask about, I was thinking about, I saw you play Alpha on Broadway. I've listened to that album. Oh. I feel like, you know, I'm desperate to see Becoming Nancy. I hope we get to see more of that. But I think I first became aware of you when you were on tour with Wicked. And you, I remember seeing kind of social media stuff. And from day one, you just seemed like this chilled out, kind of funny, amazing person. And that is a stressful thing to be doing. It's a crazy job. It's, it, you know, it's it, different people deal with it in different ways. But, you know, I, I know you've spoken a lot about the world that you came from, the life that you led and how that all changed. And in some ways, do you think, is, is that a contributing factor? And are you really this, this cool kind of funny person or is it all a disguise? Oh God, no, I, I'm... <laughs> Uh, what you honestly, what you see is what you get with me. I'm very, I always, I've always said to myself, like, if I'm not willing to be 100% authentic and myself when it comes to especially social media, then why the hell am I doing this thing? I mean, it doesn't, you know, uh, the one thing that I can't stand more than anything else is somebody just like faking it and giving you some BS until, and, and trying to make you believe it because we're not stupid. I mean, we really aren't. Uh, we are so, uh, as, as listeners and media watchers and and people even who are in the business as even to people who aren't like not everybody's in it. get me. I'm, I'm a sarcastic, funny, try and make you laugh. I mean, make 
bloopers on stage. Like I did it during Wicked. Like I remember trying to make every Nessa Rose crack and they all hated me. But it's because I just like, I got to bring a little bit of myself to what it is that I'm doing, number one. Because number two, I'll go insane if I don't. And um, and the same thing sort of exists when I want to to talk about my life or talk to people about how things are not always going to be sunshine, butterflies, and roses when it comes to playing a role like Alphaba. It's so cool. It's so badass. You get you know to be painted every night. Um, you get to tell a story about about somebody who is fighting for their rights and fighting for the rights of others who don't have the ability to speak up for themselves. I take that very seriously in my real life. And, um, but it's not always easy. And I feel like people should see the, the, the bad with the good, because if, if all I did all day was say like, Oh, wow, I can't believe it. Look at me. I have defied gravity again. It's like, well, guess what happened? The lift didn't work. My makeup totally melted off in one scene. My one, my wig died, and I looked like I had an, a, an afro <laughs> th- the size of the United States. Like these things have all happened, and and um, and I would be, I would be doing myself a disservice if I wasn't honest, um, because truth of the matter is like, I think I am pretty, pretty chill and pretty cool, but I have my friggin' moments. And, um, and, and I think people deserve to see that if they're going to, to follow me, they should see, you know, like if I lose my voice, I'm going to tell you that I lose my voice. I'm not going to sit around and, and tiptoe around the fact and, and, and say like, Oh no, we're just going to reschedule it. No, you should know why. Um, and, and it makes you human. We're not, you know, people, are not superhumans. We all have our shit. I'm sorry that I'm cursing. Is that okay? Please curse okay. away. Okay. But we all do. It's, it's sort of this kind yeah, of yeah, thing yeah. that I've noticed over the, the years in this business is, you know, I, I, I certainly as Jessica don't have time for the, for the fake stuff. Um, so that, I, that is not what I'm going to be giving you. Mm-mm. But also, so you touched on it there about, talking about what you believe in and kind of knowing who you are and what you stand for and I think that was something else that really jumped out to me about you is that you were always speaking up for what you believed in you weren't afraid of having difficult conversations on social media etc and I feel like maybe there's been a shift in the last couple of years and actually now more people do are empowered or feel like they are able to, to speak up but I feel like definitely a few years ago I was like I can only speak for over here maybe more in this industry, you're not supposed to upset people. You're not supposed to take sides. You're not supposed to kind of give too much to yourself, etc. And sometimes people might say, or oh, maybe rein that in, or maybe delete that tweet and stuff. And I love that you're quite unapologetic about who you are and what you stand for. Mm-hmm. Have you had people tell you to try and rein it in and try and stop? Or <laughs> is that, yeah? Talk to me, yes. talk to me. Yes, yes. I, um... I have I had a, I had a very interesting experience with a particular show where uh, where I was quite visible and um, and it was the type of thing where um, I I sort of was targeted for being on social media too much um, and and I just didn't agree and and we didn't we did not see eye to eye on that but but my thing is. Yes, I have, I am very, very vocal 
um, especially about things like gay rights and women's rights and um, and gun control and certain certain political things that are going on, especially right now. And, you know, I I I have been told definitely over the years, like, well, you can't be too political. Don't be, don't be political. The arts are not supposed to be political. Eh, please. We tell stories about, about politics. We actually have to get on stage and step into characters who are created based on historical things that have happened. So you can't tell me as, you know, Peter from Illinois, that I'm not, that I shouldn't have an opinion because I'm, I'm a singer. Well, then don't watch Netflix because then you're probably going to see me in a role on that or on, you know, law and order that feels, you know, like, oh, she's playing a role, but like, I actually do believe certain things when it comes to politics or certain things when it comes to human rights. And, and you're right about that. There are a lot of, um, there are a lot of people in the world of, you know, the folks who are behind the scenes or the people who are behind the table who want to have the control over the narrative of, uh, of particular shows or what it is that people are saying or how the actors, you know, choose to have opinions. But, um, I don't know. I, I've always been of the mind that if I'm playing roles like Alphaba, who is an activist who, yes, you're, we are in a make-believe world. We get it. There's propaganda. And, There's all sorts of things. You know, that it was written it about yeah. a presidency. It was written during the Bush administration. It was actually written because of the Bush presidency. And when I was on tour with it, it was it we were we were on tour during the 2016 election. This is wild to me. And people mm. actually came to the stage door and asked if the show was rewritten to to account for that election to me. And of course it was not, but to me that's wild because there are so many, um, parts, uh, of the show and so many themes of the show that work their way into current politics. And there's, there's a reason for that. And so I, you know, I know that I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea. I just don't give a shit. I, I, I would rather, I would rather stand up for, um, what it is that I believe in and for people who come to me and, and tell me that they have, you know, that they are dealing with issues with mental health or dealing with depression or dealing with, you know, all of these taboo things or, you know, um, uh, or, or, or even the people these days that, that still, that still think that, that the Bible should, should be correct. And gay is not good. It's like, are, is this a joke? I mean, we, it is wild to me. So, so when it came to playing a role in particular that not only wanted to advocate for herself and figure out a way to do that, which is what I have been trying to do as Jessica, a woman on Broadway who, you know, where I feel like we should be allowed to have opinions, even if not everybody agrees with them, I should still be able to advocate for myself and, um, and playing a role on stage every day where, where most of the people who I had conversations with outside of the show would say, my God, as a, as a, as a gay man or as a trans woman or as somebody who hasn't come out yet, or, you know, I could see myself or it made me feel like, there was a place for me. It's like, that's why I do this stuff. 
The red carpets are cool. The photos are awesome. But the reason I do it is because maybe it, it, maybe somebody's mom who isn't, uh, okay with some, with their son being gay comes to the show and sees the fact that, you know, it, it is okay or that they're going to have to take steps to, um, sit in the discomfort of their child coming out or feeling safe to do so. Mm-hmm. That's what my job is. That's what my job is. Um, so I do take that stuff very seriously. And if people, um, and people are free to unfollow, free to, to hit that unfollow button, baby. Um, but I'm not going to stop. So sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry, not sorry. Six. <laughs> yeah, about what I said. Yeah. I think that's so important. And you know what? I think there's, a lot to be said as well for people who have their own paths into this industry. I love chatting to people who didn't kind of go down that conventional route. And I think there's maybe something quite empowering and liberating about coming into something later because maybe you had a different perspective. Maybe you were able to look back a bit and maybe you were able to use experiences that you had in an office environment and see exactly 100%. the same things happening in theatre, you know? 100%. It's show business. It's not show fun it's show business it's a business we you know and and that's that I don't think I would have had the wherewithal and the knowledge um you know of how to how to cope with it and deal with it as a business had I not been in a true corporate business setting Mm -hmm. first Mm -hmm. um on the topic of pride month pride month is basically being extended because you Uh, gonna be going back into Joseph as the narrator. This time you get to a full run, right? Yes. And revisit this role. I want to know, riff by riff, what is gonna be happening, please? <laughs> um, this is the coolest thing ever because number one, I just I would like to extend Pride basically just forever. I mean, I, right? I think Pride is forever, but you know that's just me. And um, and the fact you know what's crazy is that the I had the thrill of getting to play the narrator at Lincoln Center um, doing Joseph in February of 2020. And it was truly the month before the world shut down. And I had, it was also really cool um, that I got to split the role with Eden Espinosa, who I j'adore, and Alex Newell, who I j'adore. And, but it was split up. And so this time I get to do it, you know, 100% all the way through. I, it's so funny that you, that you brought this up because last night I just got the costume plot from, uh, from the Muni where I'm, where I get to do this. And it's, it is so cool. It's like corsets, pink, you know, uh, red, white. I mean, I am, the score is so fun to sing anyway. And I can pop, you know, the fact I can make it poppy, the fact that I can really, you know, in, in my, I mean, my, my dream is to always like riff and make everything extra gay. So this can be like, I'm, I think I'm going to be a rainbow throughout the show, which is freaking awesome. Um, and, and the fact that we get to do it in an outdoor theater that has over 11,000 seats that people fill nightly is kind of amazing. Um, it's, it's a dream, I think for everybody to get to play that space once. Um, and, I was supposed to do it a while back, but schedules, of course, are what schedules are. And so this time I feel like, again, our little pal, the universe, hey girl, she was like, I'm going to throw you a really cool show. And so this is, 
this is so exciting to, to get to do this um, for more than just one performance. It's really cool. Yeah, the narrator is the best role. And I oh. think what people, what people forget is she is giving you everything. It's not just, I mean, the, the vocals are on it, but I mean, there's so much comedy. There's so much, you are, you are, you are the star of the show. You are leading the show. It is, the audience get to be in the palm of your hands. And I feel like yes. that has Jessica Vosk written all over it. Storyteller, storyteller. <laughs> like I've got to know all the colors and I'm also, you know, opening up act two with one of my favorite, you know, um, songs ever written. So this is like, it is, it's very awesome. And, uh, and the fact that again, it's so close to pride month is, is extra amazing. And the fact that now I've, I've vocal, I think I, I tweeted about this. Like I, mu- we must extend pride month for this yeah. particular it's reason. It's, it's done. It's happened. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that like God knew <laughs> to <laughs> extend it. Oh, he knows. He knows. Um, and then talk to me about the bedwetter because this is such a curveball. Has this just been sprung upon you? Like what's happened? Sure was. So um, I, yeah, I get to go in and, and close out this run of, of Sarah Silverman's hysterical show called The Bedwetter. Um, I am such a fan of Sarah. I, I have always been. I enjoy her. Again, as another woman who who speaks up, speaks out, you might not you know, love her opinion. A lot of, um, a lot of female comedians get that kind of like, Bleh. we don't want to hear from you. I mean, so I always feel like when somebody can step up and say, well, screw you, I don't care. I'm like, Oh, should we get married? So I love <laughs> Sarah so much. And, and it's really funny because, uh, during the, the, the great Coco, myself and, and two time Tony Award nominee, Jen Samard, um, created a podcast, a true crime podcast. Cause we're both like, like, are we killers? That's how much we're into true crime. And so we created well, this. You're in po- the frame. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is, this is so right. This is so right. <laughs> and, and, and so we created this true crime podcast and we had all of our celebrity friends come on and tell stories about, um, crimes in their hometown and so like to kick us off we had Kristen Chenoweth and she was like I want to talk to you about the Girl Scout murders and I'm gonna have a nice conversation with you about that and so it was just genius and she was our she was our kickoff and so everybody got to hear about that and then um uh we got Sarah and she came on and we had a really fun conversation and Sarah and I had never met before that but we sort of wound up following each other afterwards and so I um I have been creating a Judy Garland piece um, for the past couple of months to happen next week in San Francisco for Pride Month. And Carnegie Hall wound up booking us for the end of this year. So it's this massive like Judy production. And it's not, it is no small feat. It is like 16 songs, old home videos. Liza sent, like Liza had to sign off on everything um, and give like all of this footage and so we're doing that with the foot. And so I've been rehearsing this thing. And then I got a phone call from my manager and she was like, it was late at night. And I think I was cooking because, Hey, I cook. Just I mean, I am, I there. am, I'm just, dro- <laughs> just so you skills. know, everyone. Yeah. Hey, I just, so you know, like I'm not single, but I do cook if anybody <laughs> wants to go on a date with me. So, um, cooking with Vosk coming to you it next is, year. The it cookbook. could be really good. It could also be a disaster, but, um, <laughs> So I was in the kitchen and I'm like making myself dinner. It's eight o'clock and I get a phone call from my manager and she's like, uh, let me call, um, let me connect your agent in. And, and I was like, what the fuck? Because you don't get calls late night. So 
they, they're all on the phone and I was, and they were like, Hey, how are you? I was like, I don't know. Um, am I in trouble? And they were like, no, but we do have an offer for you. I was like, for what? Um, and it was for the bedwetter. And so when I tell you this show is so smart, it's based on Sarah and her life and what she went through as a kid. Um, and her family experience, she was a bedwetter as a kid. So that's basically what it's about. And B.B. Newworth stars in it. And um, there are so many genius kids in this show, too. And it's, again, based on Sarah's life. And so um, so the fact that I think I wrote Sarah and I was like, oh, my God. And she was like, I can't believe you're doing this. So um, it's 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 a bit of an honor in a, in a, that's the, that's the tiniest way I can represent how it does feel to go into it because now I've been doing double duty of Judy and the bedwetter. So I've been doing this past week has been 8am Judy through 1pm and then like 1pm to 6pm the bedwetter. Oh my gosh. And, um, so I made it through and tomorrow, uh, I fly out to San Francisco for the Judy Garland premiere on Monday. Um, and tomorrow, which is Sunday, uh, I actually will will get to work with Sarah, just the two of us, um, which is the coolest thing. And also the most, like, like I will wet my pants. Like, I will wet the bed because it's so nerve-wracking um, because I'm such a huge fan of Sarah's and we don't normally get to, um, to, to replace or to join a show and then have the writer come and work with us. And But I play her mother, so I think it's... Also doubly important that I want to do a good job of representing mm-hmm. who her mother was. Um, but it is a beautiful, beautiful piece. And I hope I think it has a larger life. And I really hope that it continues to to barrel forward because it is so funny and also so politically incorrect that <laughs> when you come, you're, you're like laugh your ass off and then you cry because you're like, I also feel emotions. And so, um, so it's cool, but I'm so tired. Well, I'm not surprised. This is what I mean, this schedule. And then you come to London and then you're going straight into Joseph. Do you start, do you start Joseph rehearsals before you come to London? Like, no, actually I do not, but I will probably, you know, in my own little, in my own little corner, in my own little chair, I will learn the music for Joseph on my own, um, before I get to the Muni. So I go at the end of the month, um, end of July. So I'll have a, a bit of, a bit of space in between, but it's, um, it's kind of fierce to be able to, to go one to the other and mm-hmm. to be able to. I've been mixing it up, different you, things, you gotta mix amazing it up. people. Yeah. And what's cool is, you know, getting to, to come to London and put a set list together that is, you know, it's Broadway, but it's rock and it's pop and it's, it's, um, it's it's special. It's just stuff that I never, you know, would normally get to do. And mm-hmm. the fact that I that I get to do it and have it be done with a London crowd is mm-hmm. so badass to me. So mm-hmm. that's why it's just extra amazing that I get to come back. And then when I'm talking to people doing these conversations, people are always like... I want to create something. I want to do something brand new. I want to be in the original cast, et cetera, et cetera. And you have been doing that for the past few years with Becoming Nancy, right? Which yes. I'm hearing so many amazing things about. And obviously that pandemic 
got in the way because you were literally <laughs> doing a read. You were doing a workshop or something of it, weren't you? Just as we went into that first lockdown. The day, yeah, the, our final workshop, pre-Broadway workshop was the day that Broadway closed. And we had no idea. We had no idea what social distancing was. We had no idea what, you know, the shutdown meant. We thought that we'd be back in two weeks. We were, we were so... You know, looking it back is. now, you're like, <laughs> if you only knew, you know, we had no idea. <laughs> we had no idea. And, um, but the story, you know, I, I always think that becoming Nancy has such a beautiful life to it and that it will never, ever, uh, fade away because number one, it's based on a true story about, um, a young boy's life in, in East Dulwich and in 1979. And it's about his story of, of becoming exactly who he is, which is this, um, very proud gay man and how back in the late seventies, early eighties, how it was basically illegal and you couldn't get found out and it was totally uncomfortable. And, uh, and his mother and father were, t- were not cool with it, but his aunt played by Jessica Mosk was like, <laughs> I love gays. Like it was, you know, it's like the kind of thing where the aunt knew, knew he was gay, obviously wouldn't say anything about it. Um, and then I double as Kate Bush, which is like a, co- a poster of his in his bedroom that comes to life. So I'll be, you know, oh, <clears throat> I, I did know. not know that. Oh my God. I know. It's sort of the cool thing about the show. There's many amazingly cool things, but is that there's these, you know, the main people I think who mean the most to him are his mother, his aunt and his, his teacher. Mm. And so they all play these roles, you know, in his real life and his safe space is his bedroom. Like, like a lot of us growing up, you know, I would listen to Celine Dion in my bedroom and try try and sound like that bitch. I still try. But I would do that in my in the comfort of my own boudoir. And so he goes to his bedroom and what happens is he has these three posters of Kate Bush, Debbie Harry, and Sting. And it's me, his mother, and teacher who all come to life playing Kate Bush, Debbie Harry, and Sting. And um and it's so good. And it it was so fun for me. It's a really good Kate Bush like out of nowhere. Like a really fun um, you know, wig, entire Wuthering Heights outfit, like just a fabulous, fabulous thing. And uh and where where people will oftentimes say, you know, it's very everybody's talking about Jamie in a way, and it, it, but it the the themes are very much uh, understandably, uh, alike, but the actual story is so, is so different that I do Mm -hmm. hope becoming Nancy, um, will will get a life and it could start in London. Um, is kind of like the word on the street is that it's going to start in London, which I think is so wonderful. Um, but the, um, the story and the music and the cast has, it was such a beautiful thing to create. And then you watch all of these people come see the show when we were doing it in Georgia, which, which can be a tricky state in, you know, here in our lovely, you know, burgeoning democracy, um, where, where it's, uh, where it's like cool to be gay in some places Mm -hmm. and like definitely not cool to be gay in some places. And Mm -hmm. it was beautiful to watch people come. And I'm talking like men who are in their eighties going, this was my story of being a kid. This is how I grew up. I had an aunt like you, or I wish I had an aunt like you, or, you know, it's, that is, again, the reason that these stories are told because then people are seen and, and feel seen. And it's a, it is a beautiful thing to watch. 
Mm-mm-mm. Oh my gosh, it has and it has London written all over it. Maybe it this sure will be the thing that gets the Vosk to London. But you bet your bottom dollar, I will go out in a heartbeat, honey. In a heartbeat, <laughs> it is ap- It is like an essential story to tell, and because it's it's a London story, I think that it would yeah, yeah, yeah. it would kind of be amazing to start there. Mm-mm-mm. And then go to the Broadway and that's the right, honey. That's and, right. Yeah, it's all planned. That's so right. So I had uh, Mr. Josh Lehman on this podcast a couple years ago. I cannot imagine you two with Fighting Neverland. (gasps) Uh, You want to see a problem on stage? Have Josh and I do a show together. You want to see an issue? That's right. That's right. He told me about Diva Dollars and how that he believes (laughs) you get a Diva Dollar to use on every job. And he told me that he used one on Fighting Neverland when... He almost got dropped one night on stage. And he said he opened that purse. He got out the diva dollar and he demanded that meeting. That's right. (laughs) And he was not impressed when some of the attitudes were that supportive or sympathetic towards him. Of course. And that's kind of inspired. And so since then, I've I've sometimes been asking people about diva dollars. Alice Fern, who was an alpha over here, told me that she whipped out a diva dollar, which she got a note about and wicked about how she should give a broom to somebody off stage. And she was like, <laughs> whoa, I am doing the most. I would not be handing anybody the broom at that angle. That's right. That's awful, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought I would ask you, have you ever had to whip out a diva dollar? Oh God, what a great question. Um, uh, you know, very, very much like, like an Alice Fern situation, um, I, I have had to whip out a diva dollar during Wicked, for sure. And and that, you know, I think my diva dollar moment was um, when my broom, when when I got a note about about the broom just not being there and when it, when it, when it was not set by myself, it was set by someone else. But I still got the note. I think I, I, <laughs> I, I made sure that that dollar was crisp, honey. And... Uh, because those are the moments where you're like, oh, do you want me to, to build the broom myself? <laughs> um, because, and, and, you know, again, there are not many moments. And the, the, one of the reasons I love Josh so much is that he is such a, he, he toes such a beautiful line of like being able to joke about things in crazy situations, finding Neverland being the craziest, by the way. I mean, our motto was safety third. We'll talk about it later. But anyway, um, we, we just like, I'm like, I'm so, so chill. Like I rarely am like, mm, I will not do that. But, but if I'm going to get like the, if I'm going to get a note from out of nowhere that has nothing to do with me, I'm going to take that DV dollar out and I'm going to be like, guess not my circus, not my monkeys. Don't talk to me again. <laughs> I'm not that girl. I'm not that girl. And then I'm going to opt up just to make you mad. I'm not that girl. That's what I'm going to do. Um, so, yeah. I mean, there are, there are a couple diva dollars. Monopoly diva dollars, babe. Well spent, it sounds like. Well spent. Happy I spent them. Great investment. <laughs> one, I need to ask, like, one basic wicked fanboy question. You must. So, I would, this is what I, this is the route I always go down with mm. alphas. I'm like, I want to know. Doing Define Gravity, it's happening, it's building, we're getting there, it's almost the interval, everything's happening. 
you do that last bit with Glinda, you say goodbye to Glinda, you run back, you get in that lift, you have like 15 seconds. I don't know. What is the mindset of Jessica Vosk in those 15 seconds? Okay. Okay, here's what happens. You're run you're you're running back. Mindset goes, fuck, make sure the bag doesn't get caught. Fuck. Okay, okay, just get the cape over to get the cape over the lift. Get in the lift. Get in the lift. Okay, the lift is locked. Is your foot falling off the lift? It's me! There, and that's, and that, and, uh, and if I have time, if I had time, I would be like, do I have it? Do I have it? It's me! You know? So, yeah, my brain is, and, and if the lift doesn't work, then it's like, fuck. I'm five foot three. Oh, no. Plan B. Everybody has to come on stage and lay down. And they're still taller than me laying down. And I'm supposed to be getting them. Oh, no. How? Oh, no. Must riff. Must riff. Riff. Extra. Oh, no. Cannot riff. Not allowed to riff. Still going to riff. Could get in trouble. Don't care. You know? How do I... You saying you got in trouble on the 15th anniversary, right? Yes. One of the times. Yes. Which was one of the best, one of the best like audios ever. Thank you. That's why, I mean, it was like, after that, it was like, what did I do? I was, and I'll stand there feeling things I ever felt. And, and I couldn't do it again after that. But I'm really glad I did it that one time. I really am. Because I'm going to take it with me. I'm going to take it with me in the deep dollar bank. Put, put it right in there. It's the fiftieth anniversary, for goodness' sake! So cool, so cool, beyond cool. I mean, it—that was a bucket list moment, you know. And you look back on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it. So I saw, I saw you play Alphabet, and it was incredible. I love seeing on the show on Broadway. It's so different on Broadway. It's such a different show. It feels such a different energy, and I. It was amazing. I've seen Wicked so many times and watching you bring out humor and different sides. It was Thank the most you. I've laughed at an alphabet and it was so, yes. so, so special. Thank you. It was you. so special. I oh, that means that. a lot to me. Thank you so much. Thank you. I, I took that role so seriously and, and, um, and I, I actually do believe and Kristen Chenoweth and I have had this conversation several times that alphabet is as funny as Glinda. It's just drier. It's Mm-mm-mm. more sarcastic and, um, you know, in my opinion, it's something that that is so fun to explore because because she gets she still has clever quips and things like that. She's just wildly self-deprecating. So something I know quite well. Um, mm-hmm. But so when to hear stuff like that, that you got it makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. Insane. Insane. So listen, Sunday, the 17th of July at 630 Everyone needs to get their ass to Cadogan Hall. That's right, baby. Get to Cadogan Hall. There's going to be several, there are going to be sing-alongs. Like, I will be actually coming into the audience with a microphone and having you sing, okay? I don't want to freak you out. 
Are riffs but I allowed? Do. Is there a riffing rule? There, r- guess what? Riff your ass off. Okay, riff your <laughs> riff your ass off. Riff your tits off. I am here to we 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 are here to spread joy. To do like you know, there's there is no um, there are no rules here. The audience to me is as important as anybody on the stage, and you know it it means the world to me to actually have a room full of people, um, mm-hmm. especially especially in London and at a venue like Cadogan Hall. I'm just it's so beautiful and, and I get to play it. I get I to know. play it. So yes, please I'm come. Busy. I'm I am there. I was yes. going to be the other one. I'm at the rescheduled one. And do you know what? I'm so excited actually to be part of that audience and to, I know that Jessica Vosk fans will be a certain type oh, of I hope stagey. So. It's going to be good already, energy. I am signing, I'm signing CDs. I want to personalize them. I've opened all of them up to, to make, and I brought, you know, Sharpies. I've left them all at the fourth wall, you know, offices with Darren. Hey, Darren, thanks for holding my CDs. And, um, you know, it's, it's a party. We should, we should absolutely have a party. We should celebrate since pride is extended. Um, you know, <laughs> since I, since I, you know, wasn't have, didn't get to be there for the Queen's Jubilee. This this is our own like extra special sassy jubilee. Like let's have a time, kids. Let's have a time. Can you give me any teasers, any clues? Could we hear a bit? Well, obviously, maybe we'll get some becoming Nancy. Maybe a bit of Joseph or something. Like any hints? You will. You will absolutely get some becoming Nancy. You will get. Um. You will get some Elton John. You will get some Six. You will oh. get. Um. You will get. Uh. Maybe a little bit of Joseph. You will also get. Um, maybe some fantastic old school Patty Lapone. Mm-hmm. Um, you will get waitress. Come on, come on. Um, you'll get like maybe a wicked mashup. You'll get like a lot of very fun, cool things. You might get some rent. You might get um, Jason Robert Brown. Like they're, it's a cool, it's a cool set. And mm-hmm. and I'm a I'm a bit of a rock and roll gal, so it's gonna be crazy. Mm. Oh my gosh, I think it just sold out like that. Come on, baby. Come on. Thank you so much. Oh, Andrew, thank you. I love doing this. I feel like we're now besties. We are. Friends for life. FFL. Um, (laughs) You're a dream. I cannot wait for your show. I can't wait to see you. Thank you so much for chatting to me, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You can see Jessica Vosk live in concert at Cadogan Hall on Sunday, the 17th of July at 6.30. And make sure you are quick because there are not many tickets left and it's going to be a night to remember. It's going to be absolutely incredible. I am so excited. Thank you to Jessica for taking time out of her crazy schedule to record this episode of In The Frame. It was an absolute honor to speak to her she was everything and more thank you for coming back and listening to in the frame it's so good to be back like i said we had some fun episodes coming your way over the next few weeks with some incredible people so make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button you can also leave us an apple podcast rating and review we love hearing from you so follow west end frame on instagram twitter and facebook you can check out our other podcast the west end frame show for your weekly stagey catch up and i'll be back next week with an incredible performer who recently alternated an incredible role in a western musical and is about to star in a brand new off west end show which i am super excited about but until then thank you for listening (laughs) 